not many kids get to go to timeout and sit up the bow of a boat and look at the (laughs) tropical (laughs) island in front of them and the fish in the ocean and stuff. Welcome to the Family Travel Podcast by A Big Peachy Adventure, where we help families plan their adventures, whether it's for a week, indefinite, or anywhere in between. No matter what your budget, we bring you hints and tips from the experts, inspirational stories of families who are living their dreams, as well as must highlights from places that we and our guests visit. Welcome to the Family Travel Podcast, a podcast by A Big Peach Adventure. Um, look, when I was in South America about 10 years ago on a 16-day trip, bumped into a family over there who were traveling for a year on a boat, on a yacht. And that was the first family I'd ever heard of traveling full-time, let alone on a boat. Uh, the second family was, you know, this time last year, uh, some friends of ours who decided to travel around Australia in a caravan. And I thought, wow, you know, the only other people I'd ever heard of this were this exotic family in South America traveling on a yacht around the world. And it was actually hearing of a family that were pretty similar to us doing this that inspired us. And then when we saw Trip in a Van and their YouTube channel, that's when we made the decision to actually do it. So at the time, I didn't even realize it, but, and I've got to thank that family for planting the seed. I didn't realize it at the time, but, you know, they've pretty much led us to being traveling full time. Uh, and I've always been fascinated by what it's like to be traveling on a boat. We're looking at a bit of a different way of traveling um, this week. We've looked at caravans, we looked at camper trailers, and now we are looking at a family that are sailing around the world. Um, they're a family from Adelaide. And what I was blown away with was the fact that they're not millionaires. You think that you have to be a millionaire to sail around the world. Well, they're not. They're an average, lovely family from Adelaide. Um, who had just normal jobs and they realised that this is what they wanted to do. They set a goal, they made sacrifices and they made it work. Um, so what I really loved um, was, for one, I think they're so incredibly brave setting off as a family with three young boys around the world. Um, but I love that they outline all the steps that they took to get to their goal and reach it. I admit that I... Um romanticize what it's like to travel on a boat and it's pretty obvious that it comes with its own challenges when you compare it to say traveling in a caravan Um, so if anyone has ever wondered what it's like to live on a boat full-time I think this is the episode for you. Uh, Welcome to a big peachy adventure Erin from Sailing to Rome. Welcome we're excited to have you you're the first um, family we've had on who aren't traveling around Australia. Oh, cool. Yeah, no, we're we're out in the Caribbean at the moment and we're not in a caravan, we're on a boat. Wow. Well, you may as well kick it off and tell us um, who you are, where you're from, about your family and what, what mm-hmm. it is you're doing. Okay, so uh, my name's Erin, my husband's Dave and I have three boys, Hamish, Jack and Christian. We're from Adelaide, Australia and we are currently living on a yacht in the Caribbean. So... That all started only about uh, three years ago now when we watched a documentary called Maiden Trip by Laura Decker and um, it was a a regular probably Tuesday night, very vanilla, and we were sitting on the couch 
um, we'd finally put the kids to bed and we finally sat down as you do, you know, 8.30, 9pm at night and my husband was scrolling through Netflix. I didn't really even care what he put on. I was just looking at my phone and um, he just put on this documentary and then I kind of started getting um, interested in it, put my phone down and, and it, like, it just flew by. We both sat there in silence and awe and then at the end of the documentary we both kind of looked at each other and went wow that looks amazing so at that stage we weren't sailors we didn't own a boat um we didn't even have any savings if anything we owed you know we were in debt we had credit card debt um so we moved straight to the computer and started googling and googled families sailing around the world we didn't even know if it was a thing we didn't even know if it was possible uh, and we we straight away found heaps heaps of blogs heaps of YouTube videos, uh, so we started watching a YouTube video right there and then I think, and then pretty much watched one or more every day for the next two or three two and a half years, uh, and we were just hooked. We loved I don't know what what it was about it. It was so different I think to anything we've done we love travel and we've done a lot of traveling but never by boat and um it was only I think a few days later that we dared to say to each other yeah let's do it and it was so daunting and scary and we were too embarrassed to even tell anybody because it just seemed so ridiculously crazy but we're like well you know if these families can do it why can't we there's nothing you know amazingly special about the other families that we've found so We'd like to think that we we would we liked to have thought that we were capable of doing it. Uh, so it only took her a few more weeks of being, you know, not losing interest that we started telling family and friends. And um, once we told them, we we're like, well, we can't go back now. And we tried to make sure we didn't say, oh, we want to do this. We'd say we're doing this. And yeah, two and a bit years later, we had bought our boat and were flying out from Adelaide to Grenada in the Caribbean to see it for the first time and start our adventure. Goodness me. So did you ever uh, sailed a boat before? I did grow up sailing with my dad on an inlet. I grew up in Wagga Wagga on an inland lake. So it was like a tiny brown mud lake and it was on a small you know little boat so nothing like these big boats um and that was you know when I was a young kid so didn't really have much say in the matter I just got dragged along dad used to teach learn to sail classes and I'd go out with him now and then when mum wanted a break I reckon she'd um, make dad take one of us kids each week yeah so I did I had done that uh, but I didn't remember any of it when we came up with the idea we were like okay well I guess we better buy a boat to start with so we bought just a small um, trailer sailor boat it had to be big enough for all five of us to fit on so it was 21 foot but I didn't know how to sail like I didn't remember anything from when I was a kid Um, but my dad still still remembered well still was a sailor Um, he just didn't have a boat anymore and so dad taught us the um, smaller boat and so yeah for two years in Adelaide we'd sail around the bay trying to learn everything we could on the little boat after yeah we didn't actually get much more experience than that and then now here we are okay that escalated quite quickly didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and so in that time you mentioned that you know you had consumer debt 
and then a couple of years later you're sailing around the world and in, in the caravan on a yacht tell us about the journey going from being in debt to sounding like you've now got a life full of freedom yeah so i mean i'm not i'm not going to pretend that we um did anything too amazing i guess other people think that what we did was amazing i suppose but i feel like if we could do it anyone could do it we just saved up money essentially and then we borrowed the rest of the money um from the bank against our house so we're just lucky that we're in the position that we could borrow extra money and the repayments are covered on the um on the rent that we get for our house so it's still mutually geared i suppose because we didn't owe a huge amount to start with. But we saved up, I think, around 85000 in just over two years. Uh, so the way that we did that was by probably the number one thing we did was to host international uni students in our house. So my sister and I actually came up with the idea and then when we heard about it, we were like, that, that's like an awesome idea, it's it's such easy money and it was good money too. So I think we were getting like $265 a week for one student. Uh, all you had to do was let them live with you, which I think to some people sounds like really daunting or annoying, but honestly it was completely fine. Like we enjoyed having them. They were lovely kids. They were usually around the age of 19, 20. Uh, they were very diligent and they studied all the time and they were very respectful so it, there were no drama to host at all and we would we even had two uh, for probably six months um, so we had there these two students living with us and we had to feed them and uh, help them out they were probably much more naive than an Australian uh, 19 20 year old so you know they did take a little bit of work but for five hundred plus dollars a week, it was totally worth it. So, we did actually only have a three bedroom house, though. So, I guess a big sacrifice that we had to make for them to have a room each was that we moved all their children out of their bedroom. They were currently all sharing one room, which probably to some people seems crazy. But then we went even beyond that and we moved them all into the second lounge room and set up, uh, you know, like a bedroom in there. So. Get them used to being on the boat. No, <laughs> very close yeah. quarters anyway. That's less crazy yeah. than all five of us being in a 21-foot caravan. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's it sounds crazy, but it really wasn't. It was not a big deal. They um they didn't have the perfect-looking bedroom. And, the, yes, there was a lounge room and TV in their bedroom, but it did, like, we got up over it in five minutes and then it was just back to feeling normal again. So, yeah, that was probably the main way that we earned a lot of the money. Um, the Probably the second biggest thing we did was to take our kids out of private school and put them into public school, which, again, might seem drastic, but we were toying kind of with the idea and then once we came up with this idea, you know, it seemed to question a lot of our values and so we um, didn't regret that decision at all. The public school that they went to was beautiful and had a greater sense of community and more uh, fun and playful than the, the strict kind of um, Christian school that they were going to. So we're definitely happy with that idea. We sold our second car. We got rid of private health insurance. We got all new utilities to make sure they were the cheapest ones we could find. We um, got all new quotes on insurances. We sold a lot of our stuff. So when you start looking around the house and just 
seeing stuff for stuff. It didn't really have any meaning anymore. And you're like, well, it's not like we're going to take that on the boat with us. So we sold a lot of stuff on Gumtree. We stopped buying stuff. So, you know, I used to be into housey stuff. And, look, I'm not going to say that I'm completely not because I have bought a few cushions and a rug and stuff for the boat to make it cosy. But I stopped buying all that stuff back at home. And just you don't realise how much money you're actually spending on, you know, getting a new set of towels or getting this latest vase or basket or rug or whatever especially when it comes opposite and you're sending it out of the house and you can barely like sell it for a couple of dollars and you haven't used it (laughs) it's a bit of an eye-opener isn't it yeah they add up it all adds up so quickly yeah and just you know obvious little things don't don't buy your lunch don't buy coffees if you're out and about especially with a family you know you go out for the weekend and then course everyone's starving after five minutes so if you weren't prepared like we'd take a packed lunch we'd take you know drinks and snacks and everything with us so that we could literally go out for a whole day and do free things like go for a hike or go for a picnic or whatever and not have to spend any money but if you did do that you know to buy lunch for a family even if you try and buy a cheap lunch you're looking at 40 50 dollars straight up yeah we just stopped doing things like that and the money just started growing and um I, I applied for a promotion at work which maybe I wouldn't have applied for if I you know didn't really want to keep saving more money and yeah every time we got any extra money in we'd transfer it straight away to this other account and we were really very diligent which is surprising because since being over here we haven't been very diligent and it's been hard to stick to the budget but yeah for those two and a half years we we stuck to it like glue and yeah we've got here how would you say expenses are now living on the boat compared to what they were like when you were at home? I can see how it could be cheap out here, but honestly, boats are so expensive and everything keeps breaking. So we know we've been told that that's normal and everyone has pretty much said the first year sucks basically because you're just getting your boat ready or sorted. So Grocery-wise, it's probably similar to Australia because Australia is actually pretty expensive and the Caribbean is too. Um, Martinique, where we've just been, which was considered France, was pretty good because it was on the Euro and um, the groceries were quite affordable. I mean, we anchor every night, so that's free. We produce our own um, energy. So, I mean, besides having a generator for some of it, which uses diesel but it actually doesn't use very much we have wind power and solar power and everything so living out here could be cheap but boat parts um are really really expensive so we are yeah going over our budget at the moment we're just trying to claw it back in and hope that soon it'll start to slow down and I mean if you stay on the boat all day and just have a lazy day fishing and swimming you don't have to spend any money uh if you go ashore I mean we've got to remind ourselves we're not on a holiday this is a lifestyle change so but we do, you know, we've just been in an, a French island, so we'd buy baguettes and cheese and... That's me. Like it would be a crime not to. <laughs> yeah, so I think our treats, I don't know if this is good, probably a bad thing, um, or like we tried the local foods and stuff, so we're kind of eating our way around the Caribbean, <laughs> which isn't good. <laughs> me sounds good. <laughs> think, but it, is, it has been really hard to stick to the budget over here. And with that... Uh... Are you doing that based purely on the hard work you did back in Adelaide to set yourself up for this or are you also working around the Caribbean or working remotely? Yeah, we're purely living off our off our savings, which is a very scary thing because at home 
your savings would go up, whereas here it just keeps going down and down and down. So we haven't really experienced that before. This is the first kind of period of not working. We have some backup plans in that we both got leave without pay from our jobs, so we can go back to our jobs at any time. We've got two years leave without pay, so that's the maximum that we can be away. But if uh, for whatever reason we have to go back sooner, we can go straight back to getting paid uh, you know, two weeks later. So if, um, if we run out of money, we will probably go back home and work for, I don't know, six to 12 months and then maybe come back and keep going. At the moment, it's so up in the air. It's so hard to know what, you know, even where we're going to be next week. So like in 12 months time. Yeah. So with that, I mean, we, um, we're currently, where are we? <laughs> we're at Emerald Beach. Emerald Beach. Near Coffs Harbour. Where we've been for four days. Yeah. <laughs> so. We literally don't know where we're going tomorrow. And some days we're like, okay, tomorrow we're going to go here. And then we change our mind. Um, and it might be, you know, what it's raining, we couldn't really be bothered going. Or for us, it might be, actually, we really love this spot. Let's stay an extra day or two. How variable is your itinerary? Are you guys, you know, heavily constrained by things like the weather, waves, tides, wind, etc.? I mean, we are, but in saying that, so we've just found this beautiful bay and I could stay here longer, but there's a weather window to go tomorrow. So in those situations, uh we are probably going to leave but that that really hasn't um been the case very often most places we get to we've stayed at least 10 days we were just in martinique for three weeks so yeah usually if you miss one weather window you, you just go the next one and you obviously have to check the weather every day pretty much while you're out here especially now because it's um in hurricane season so we are definitely restricted on where we can go at the moment so from the 1st of June until I think it's the 15th of November it's hurricane season Uh, however we are still in the hurricane zone because we're monitoring the weather closely and we're close enough to the safe zones that if a hurricane forms off Africa it's still you know a good five days away we can just sail straight down to Grenada which is the safer spot we would be out of harm's way so we're watching the weather every day and we are heading south so we're making our way south so we could sail to Grenada right now in less than 24 hours but we're going to go down slower than that because we don't want to we don't want to rush we want to have a look around while we're going down and unfortunately we started when we first started it was already March so we didn't get out sailing until I think the end of March and then hurricane season started on the 1st of June. So it just it's just the way it happened when we bought the boat. By the time it was finally ready to set sail, it was already getting close to hurricane season. So, yeah, that does um, dominate or influence a lot of what we do. But you do still feel like you get a decent amount of time in each place. Yeah. So where have you been so far? You left, you said you sailed at the end of March. What's been your yeah. like rough itinerary since then and highlights along the way? Yeah, we left Grenada. We went to a little island called Karikou. And, I mean, I had never even heard of any of these islands before um, we moved over here. So I'm not expecting people to know these places. But Karikou is just a sleepy little island. It's actually still part of Grenada, but it it was a 10-hour sail away. So that was our very first passage that we'd literally ever done. 
and um, we went with another Australian boat. They were a young couple and he, he was obviously much um, gamer than we were and the weather, like because we were so green, we didn't even check the weather properly. We learned a lot of lessons from that passage. Uh, but our we had like 40 knots of wind, which is really strong, and um, our engine actually died on our very first passage. Oh, and <laughs> we had to be towed in by our friends, so... It was, yeah, a very scary first passage. But anyway, we survived and we learned a lot of things, so that's good. Uh, and then after Karakou, we went to Union Island, which is like a, a kite surfing mecca. So that was pretty cool, watching all the kite surfers. And then we went to Tobago Cays, which is um, everyone had told us about, oh, you know, you've got to get to Tobago Cays. So when we're in Grenada and the boatyard, stuck in a boatyard and living on the boat actually on land, hearing everyone's stories is what kind of kept us going. And so just to finally make it to Tobago Cay is the place that everyone had talked about was really awesome. So uh, it's just a, a group of islands basically. There's no shops or anything and you just um, anchor and you go exploring. So we'd hike up, um, you know, the hills on the mount- on the islands and we'd, swim with turtles so that was probably the highlight of the area was just it was like a turtle sanctuary and um we would yeah we swam literally right beside turtles and close enough that you could touch them uh, and then we went after there to Beckway I think it's hard to remember everything now um <laughs> then to St Lucia where we are now which is like all the islands are beautiful picture green volcanic mountainous yeah really gorgeous so St Lucia and then Martinique so Martinique was as high as we got and Martinique's a French island and then we stayed there for three weeks Martinique was really first world so it was a a nice um, change after being out for four or five months to be back in the land of shops and being able to buy everything you need and yeah, now we're just, we turned around and we're heading back down as much as we don't like going back to the same places. Um, it's hurricane season and that's just where everyone goes. They all go back to Grenada. So there'll be lots and lots of boats, heaps and heaps of kids, big social scene. Uh, so yeah, we'll go there for a while. We won't stay there for the whole hurricane season. Um, we'll go to a few other hurricane safe places after that as well. And so how do you go, you got three boys. Yep. How do you all go being in such small area space together? I mean, we can escape and go down to the beach or do stuff like that if it gets too much. Okay, I won't lie. It hasn't been perfect. It, it's actually been very difficult at times. So it's really important out here to work as a team. Even things simple as doing the groceries has to involve teamwork because we've got to get all the bags back onto the boat and then, on sorry, onto the dinghy and then out of the dinghy up onto the big boat and then from the cockpit downstairs on, you know, so we need to form a conga line and it all needs to, we all need to help out and everything requires us to kind of work together. Otherwise it's just a nightmare. We have a nice big kind of stateroom on our boat. So I'm in there now, both doors are shut and I can't even hear anybody so there are places that you can get away on the boat. If the kids are naughty, you'll often send one to the front of the right up the front and one right to the back, and that's you just got to do things like that. Or you'll send one to their room because we've got three kids. One can go to the room, one can go right to the front, one can go right to the back, and um, they can have some time out. 
but yeah, not many kids get to go to timeout and sit up the bow of a boat and look at the <laughs> you <know>, tropical <laughs> island in front of them and the fish in the ocean and stuff. Don't get me wrong, there's been bad days, but there's also been plenty of good days. And I think it, from what we're learning that that is boat life. Um, yeah, I think it's caravan life as well or any life. Like we've spoken to a few uh, families and it seems to be like those first few months, no matter what, especially if yep. parents going from working full-time to being around the family full-time, there's adjustment. Yep. <laughs> we're learning a lot more about our kids as well and realising that Hamish, the eldest one, is a real introvert and he needs his personal space and um, hubby is a bit like that as well. So he, because it isn't actually as easy as going for a walk, you'd have to get in the dinghy and drive to shore and do something. And with the kids and, and the space side of things, how is it going for their schooling in terms of, I guess, setting up a learning environment on the boat? But also, I guess, are they still enrolled in their school back in Adelaide or are you doing homeschooling or distance education or how's that working? Yeah, so we're not doing distance education or anything to do with back in Australia. We don't send anything back, which is what I wanted. So we just do our own thing and um, that's already changed along the way. So at the start we were trying to, I guess, replicate school. So we totally changed it up and we're trying to do more of a world schooling approach and um, focusing mainly just on reading and maths and um, writing and then learning a lot as we go so you know when we're out and about try and go to museums go on the excursions go when we're learning when we're on the hike coming back and looking into the animals that we've seen or the places that we're exploring and um yeah so far it seems to be going a bit better and you just never really know when you get back you know are they going to slot back in are they going to be behind but um we recently interviewed Tanil from Teaching on the Road Australia and um her view on it was that by taking that approach, as long as you're keeping the, the core skills up, uh, the worldwide experience they're getting in the context actually makes them on par, if not ahead of their peers when they return, as long as you maintain that structure. So it sounds like you're doing that. Yeah, I hope so. And I did hear that a lot before we came out here, that you know it was the thing that people were most worried about, but in the end it ended up being the thing that they needed to worry about the least because the kids were, you know, that where they had to be if not ahead. So and if anything, I think it's identified um, a learning difficulty as well, which, you know, I think at, at school he was such a, a good student that he probably slipped through the cracks a little bit and... Um, He's getting now one-on-one help, which I think is going to be far better for him than being in the school system anyway. Absolutely. I'm sure I'm sure it will be. So what are some of the highlights of, um, of being away? What's, like, your favourite moment so far? I had one yesterday. It was just really sim- something simple. We were sailing and it, yesterday it was flat calm and just light winds and I just walked up and just sat there and just had the sun on my face and I could hear the water lapping and... I was just like, wow, this is just, I'm in my happy place. This is just exactly what I pictured and it was mm. just awesome. Um, so, yeah, that was one. Just uh, another night we were anchored off this just a sandy white strip of an island with palm trees on it. It was a tiny island, no civilization or anything on there, but we um, went to shore and we drove the dinghy up on the beach and then we just happened to meet another family. There's just one other boat with a family of three kids as well. How can you be meeting families out in remote islands? We're travelling around <laughs> Australia. We haven't met any Oh, there's so many kids out here. It's awesome. Yeah. It's <laughs> been really great. But I know I thought there'd be heaps in Australia. Uh, I think we're, we're in the wrong part, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, kid boats stick out over here because, you know, they've usually got like toys all over them and kids climbing all over them or, or netting all around the sides or kids climbing the mast or something. So once you find them, you kind of stick to them like glue. We've been with a family for I don't know, six weeks or something now just because they've got kids and our kids get along. So it's like, oh, well, may as well stay with you guys because it takes the pressure off us and our kids are happy when they've got friends. So, yeah. Anyway, so we, we were at this beautiful island and we just had a fire on the on the beach and we cooked, we stuck our sausages on a stick and cooked our sausages and the sky was just full of stars and there were hermit crabs all over the beach and the kids were running around collecting all the hermit crabs and playing with them. And, yes, that was another amazing moment. Obviously swimming with the turtles was awesome. Um, we've done snorkelling over in Grenada. There's a like an underwater sculpture park where you can snorkel and um, see these statues of people. There's a big ring of um, cement, like a cement statue of people holding hands so that was cool, just snorkeling over and around that and having a look. So many amazing things. Like we've been really so lucky. Hikes through the through the jungle and coming to a beautiful waterfall at the end and swimming under the waterfall. And yeah, it's really it is amazing out here. We're so blessed, um, just to lucky enough to be out here. And at, at the same time, all the hard things make the good things, you know, even more appreciated, I think. Yeah. So I imagine that with you guys um, being in the, you know, a boat that's pretty much the same size as our caravan, uh, mm. I mean, we're constantly still several months into it, still getting rid of stuff. What's some of the things that you'd taken along with you but you'd wish you'd left behind? Oh, you know what? It's, it's not really like that because we had to fly over here. We couldn't really bring much at all. So. Okay. Uh, we we bought, um, I think we had 10 bags, so we were absolutely jam-packed with the maximum amount of luggage we were allowed to bring. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't miss... Um, I don't miss having a lot of stuff and I don't miss the space either, surprisingly. I feel like our boat's big enough. I remember when we first arrived and because we didn't see our boat before we bought it, which to some people probably seems very reckless, but we had, you know, we had it surveyed and... We had all the checks done and we just thought there's nothing really that my husband can add because he's not an expert spurred on boats. So <clears throat> what's the point of him flying over and spending three grand just to look at it and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it looks good. So we just did it all by photos and video and paying the professionals to check it out for us. So when we first arrived, we all walked into the boatyard and we were filming ourselves as we walked in and we saw it and went, and it was up on, on land on these stands and we all went, oh, my God, it is huge. We thought it was so, like, so big. And then we went up, climbed up a ladder and went down below and we all got down below and went, oh, my God, it's tiny. <laughs> <laughs> How are we going to live in this space? Like it was, yeah, we we all were just shocked at how small it looked. It looked bigger in the photos. But you know what? Now after being here for four and a half months, whatever, it seems big. It seems fine. Like, I, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't feel like I need more space and I don't feel like I need more stuff. I'm happy with what we have, which is a nice feeling. Um, and so to families that are listening and they, they want to go off and take off on a big adventure, whether it's by boat, whether it's by caravan, whether it's going and living somewhere else, what would your advice be to them? Yeah, uh, definitely do it. It's It seems scary and daunting, but 
it's amazing how quickly you get used to, you know, a different life. And I think I'm hoping that, you know, your kids will love it and that you'll love it and it'll it'll test you and uh, hopefully make you grow and um, make your family unit stronger. So I'm I'm all for travelling. I think travelling is the best thing ever. I have always loved travel and we've spent a ridiculous amount of money on travel over the last, you know, 15 years, but I don't regret it for a second. I don't regret a cent that we've spent on travel because it's always been worth it. It's, it's just such an amazing experience just to see uh, other places and experience how other people live and, you know, see other cultures and to learn. I'd say do it. The sacrifices that you have to make won't seem that hard once you start doing it because uh, you'll see your bank balance grow and it once you get out here, it's totally worth it. You, I mean, I barely even remember how difficult it felt um, at the time of saving up and having students living with us and stuff because we're out here now and it was all worth it. So do the hard yards for a couple of years. It doesn't have to be a boat. It doesn't have to be a caravan. Do what whatever you know inspires you it could be moving overseas or doing a world trip by you know by airplane or going to India to live in a uh, you know like a temple or whatever it is just because life's short and once you get out here none of those things that you think matter like having the latest car or you know furniture or climbing up the ladder in your job none of those things really seem to matter and you can be happy living a more simple life. I mean, it probably sounds a bit ironic because we're living on a yacht and it sounds so glamorous, but it's really not. It's really not that glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome, but yeah, yeah, just I'd say just do do it because you won't regret it. Yeah, that's all all very good advice, and we've been smiling and nodding at each other because we feel very much the same about a lot of what you said. Um, yeah. So for anyone that's listening today, if they wanted to find out more about you and your family where can they find you yeah so i mainly post on our facebook page which is sailing to rome uh, i just do like a mini kind of blog i suppose every few days post um, something on there with photos and then that all transfers automatically onto my website for those that don't have facebook which is www.sailingtorome.com and um, we also have an instagram page sailing underscore two underscore rome so any of those pages will give you links to my email address if you wanted to um, drop us a line. Um, I love helping people, inspiring people. If anyone's got any questions or they want to um, ask anything specific about boats or what have you, um, I love to help people out because I think that's why I'm keeping the page. I don't really, I did not the start and my husband was like, you know, what's the point of all this? And I said, I don't know yet. I'm just kind of letting it happen and seeing where it takes us. And um, we've been really fortunate in that it, it's led us to have some um, sponsorships. So uh, we've actually got to thank our sponsors as well who've made this, um, uh, you know, a little bit easier because we've got um, some beautiful sunscreen from Little Urchin, which is all natural and um, reef safe. So that's that certainly helped us out by not having to go out and buy you know really expensive organic sunscreen mm -hmm. even beautiful swimmer for the kids from sandy feet australia uh, we've got a stand-up paddleboard from 
Red Paddle Co. Uh, we've got hats from Bedhead Hats. So, so many things. Um, there's others too that I haven't mentioned, but we've been very lucky to um, have our sponsors as well. So, yeah. Some very good hats. brands mentioned there that we're familiar with. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Some of them are great Australian companies and um, really been really, really happy with everything that we've received as well. So, it's it's great being ambassadors for products that you really believe in. Wonderful. Michael's just ducked off because um, Eddie was getting a bit restless and <laughs> might start surprising like usual. But yeah. it's been really, really, really interesting speaking to someone, um, to speaking to a family who are, who are out sailing. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to A Big Peachy Adventure, Families Travelling Full Time. What drives us is hearing of those we've inspired to simplify their life and take the first step towards their travelling goals. So please, if you get any value from what we're doing, the biggest reward we could ask is that you share this podcast with your travelling buddies. Don't forget to click subscribe and also please leave us a review. Five stars hopefully, but if not, that's okay. Please leave a comment and let us know what we can do better. If you'd like to connect with us personally or have any questions, You can find us on Facebook at A Big Peachy Adventure. See you on the road and happy travels.